Hi, this is Web37 Daily, a 1.37 p.m. daily Twitter space on all things NFTs and Web3. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. How about yourself? Doing good. Um, sorry for the delay. My phone had some issues. I was just trying to find uh, a way to like plug it in and make it work. No, you're um, good. The, the background music was nice. <laughs> Do you have anybody else um, other than you and Zen Ledrio that I should bring to the um, the, the space? Oh no, I think it would just be me on on our end, and then we will typically have the the corporate account kind of listening in. Um, so if anyone wants to follow me or the account, you know, they can just simply uh, like shoot us a follow or, or connect with us. Perfect, cool. So I'll give everybody another second, but. Dan, you want to just say what's up to people who are listening, and then if anybody's listening, I think we kind of did like a version one of this where we talked about NFT taxes, accounting in general. But if you were listening to that like a week ago, I guess, and you've gained some value, if you can share with anybody who might be interested, because last time we got an overwhelming amount of questions at the end, and I kind of want to like talk less this time and grab questions for Dan and give him a platform that he can chat about but if you have traded a single nft and are going to submit a tax form or anything that's related to that you should be thinking of your homies because this will help them um dan do you want to just introduce yourself say hi and then we can go into questions sure sure yeah thanks for thanks for having us on uh so my name is dan hannam i'm the coo at zenledger and we are a crypto tax platform i um, actually work directly with with alex Reutenberg and and the team on the nft tax guide so if anyone's bought the nft tax guide um that that provides you with a, a free subscription to zenledger um and so we've been in the space building zenledger since uh 2017 uh, i've been personally investing in crypto since 2012 and then working in the space either as an investor or an operator and builder uh, since 2015 uh, so happy to be here happy to connect with everyone uh uh in this room um and you know excited to to hopefully point you guys in the right direction love it do you just so that people have context what's your intro to crypto or nfts in general sure sure um so like quick bio i guess um my my initial um uh, entry uh, what was back in 2015. Um, so I got uh, I went to the University of South Carolina for my undergrad um, in NBA, and then went up to New York and started working on Wall Street at Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and then most recently TBD Ameritrade. Um, and then met up with an individual called Brock Pierce, uh, who uh, was uh, leading a company called Blockchain Capital, one of the first and largest crypto focused funds, um, and ended up making the jump full time from traditional finance into crypto. Uh, back in 2015, and so my first start in crypto was was you know predated ETH, um, so Mastercoin I think was was my first ICO, and then ETH came a little bit after that. So I've been in the space uh, quite uh, quite a while. Um, my first NFTs uh, were probably like early 2018. Um, I, I think I missed out on some of like the colored coins. Didn't really get any crypto punks. Um, or, or crypto kitties in 17, um, but then was sitting down with a group of individuals in 2018 that were really excited about the future of NFTs, and, and pretty much from 2018 through, you know, I think I made 
uh, my last purchase probably like last week and, and, and got another doodle. Um, and so, yeah, I've been pretty much, you know, investing in, in operating and building for NFTs the last like four or five years now. Amazing. Cool. So I think context is always helpful. And I'll, I'm not sure if you listened then the, the spaces that we had with Alec, people were talking about like a bunch of different things, a bunch of different questions. Because I don't necessarily think there's much pre premise that I can give that would bring value other than people asking you questions or you giving insight to things that you're, you think are important. I'm just going to grab a few people to the stage and then we can go from there. Yeah, sounds good. Happy to happy to walk through some Q&A um, and take it from there. Amazing. Cool. Um, 60. So... <laughs> Do you want to ask a question to Dan? Yes. All right. So my buddy and I went in on an NFT and we bought it for 0.2. And about three hours later, we sold it for six ETH. However, he won it on his wallet, but we used my money. So our deal was like, I'd give him 10%. He would give me the other 90. So he won it in his wallet and he transferred he sold it in his wallet and he transferred the cash to my wallet. And then I transferred that cash to another guy to buy a Rolex. So I'm just curious, how do we even, how do we even go about, you know, taxes with that? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 there's a few different factors that come into play. And so obviously we've seen, um, We've seen a few different items with shared wallets that, that get people into kind of some some funky situations. And so probably the biggest one is that type of scenario where you and a friend, um, you know, put in ETH into a, a shared wallet or, you know, use one of your own wallets as kind of the shared wallet. And so the issue when you're using your own wallet or their own wallet as the sole wallet is that the person using that wallet is likely going to be liable for the full taxable amount in that wallet. And so this is where you start to really understand if that person that you're investing with is actually a friend uh, is when you you know have to call them or they call you and say, hey, you know, we now owe 10 grand, 100 grand, a million bucks in taxes based on our, our investments. Um, you know, I need your half. Right. Um, and so the best thing to do is to have a separate wallet. And if you're going to do a shared wallet, have it under a separate entity um, that actually has a legal wrapper behind. It. Um, and so that'd be kind of the, the, the best thing to do. In your current situation, the the Rolex side doesn't really make that big of a difference, right? Um, you know what you do with your capital afterwards is right. capital, and it's all what happened within the wallet. And so, if this happened in your friend's wallet, um, you if you are you know uh, his friend or, or her friend, you're going to want to try to pay your fair share. And so, the biggest Definitely. thing is, is understanding you know when did you acquire the NFT, how much did you acquire it for, and how much did you sell it for. And so the key thing with the IRS is really looking at dollar values and not ETH value. So, you know, if you bought an NFT for one ETH and you sold it for two ETH, that doesn't necessarily mean that you had a gain. You could have bought it for one ETH at $1,000 when, you know, ETH was trading at 1000 and sold it for two ETH when ETH was trading at 400 And so you bought it for $1,000 and you sold it for $800. But in ETH terms, you went from one to two. And so a big thing that people have kind of a misconception on is the IRS wants to know how much ETH I have. And they really could care less. They just want to know how many dollars. And so the big thing you need to do is figure out, you know, what 
that how much ETH did you acquire the asset for? What was the dollar value of that ETH? And then the same kind of variables on the back end. And that's going to give you your gain or loss reliability. And then depending on how you set up your, you know, kind of informal partnership, uh, you guys are going to have to kind of work out, you know, who pays what and who gets to host the NFT. And if it's not through a multi-sig, it's a little tricky. So, you know, uh, things that typically are better off getting set up before you get funds mixed. But if you have, you know, funds already mixed, it's kind of just sorting through, sorting through the chaos a little bit. So you're telling me that I would not report that under my own wallet, even though he transferred all 90% of that capital gains to me? Yeah. So you would likely have the income from that, that event, right? And so if this sale happened in their wallet, they're going to be on the hook for the capital gain or capital loss of the asset. And if they then sent X amount of ETH back into your wallet, you're going to have income coming in into your wallet. And so you are going right. to be liable for the income into your wallet, and they are going to be liable for the capital gain in their wallet. And like you said, that's where it gets a little tricky, right? Is how are you going to divvy that up and split? Are they going to pay you a portion of the income that you earn? Are you going to pay them a portion of the capital gain that they incurred? Um, and, and so that's why like multi-sigs and or separate wallets or you know legal entities behind uh, a new wallet is definitely going to be the, the, the preferred way to do any type of like mixed shared investing. Got it. All right. Well, that kind of clears it up. I appreciate you uh, breaking that down for me, Dan. Absolutely. Great question. We get, you know, we get that one all the time. Thank you. Dan, you want to, um, before we go into more questions, I kind of wanted to go into more about Zen Ledger, the story like behind the company, but also the ethos behind the company, just so that people can A, learn, but also gain some more context to what the company stands for. Obviously, there's just so much shit out there that people can use. I think you're giving firsthand context about the company, the story behind it, and how you guys built it would be helpful. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, any great products, we built the, the software because we saw a need in the market for a really great software. Um, and, and so going back to kind of what I talked about with my origin story, you know, I, I had started investing in Bitcoin in 2012 and then went full time into crypto in 2015. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have a few dollars outside of crypto that I wanted to make sure wouldn't be impacted by my crypto investment. And so as, you know, the ETH, dollar, ETH amounts and Bitcoin amounts and dollar values increased, I wanted to make sure that I could easily comply and, and file my taxes personally. And so in, in 2016, 2017, there really weren't any great softwares on the market or even software. And, you know, I was using Excel documents and Google spreadsheets and handwritten notes and trying to pull up block explorers and like copy and paste. And it was a nightmare. And I'm sure it wasn't accurate, right? I probably missed, you know, I, I miscopied a fee from here to there, or I needed to figure out the dollar value of each sale that I had. And it was just a nightmare. And so that was kind of the origin story of the company is, we believed at the time that, you know, as we went from, you know, 10 million to 100 million, and as we go from 100 million to a billion people in investing in crypto, the ones that do want to pay their taxes are going to need a really easy to use uh, and accurate software. And so that was kind of the origin story. And over the last five, six years, we've really been building the company to support, you know, anything that can go on within crypto. And so when we first started the company, there really wasn't that many ways that you could use crypto, right? You, the vast majority of our users were using Coinbase or Binance, you know, just examples. 
um, and then sending their assets into a Ledger, a Trezor, a MetaMask. And that was basically it, right? You were buying, you were storing, and that was that was kind of it. And then we started to see, obviously, the rise of DeFi, largely the primitives in 2017 and 18, but really like the masses get into DeFi in 19, 20, and 21. And then same thing with NFTs, you know, started to kind of see the primitives of NFTs in 2017, 18, but really the masses starting to get in 21 um, and, and even into this year. Um, and so what we've done is really build this like really great ingestion engine. So right now we support over 500 different exchanges, over 12,000 different tokens, over 60 different blockchains, over 50 different DeFi protocols and NFTs. So we simply allow you to ingest all of your off-chain and on-chain data into one singular place. And so for a new user, you would come in and import, you know, Binance, Coinbase, FTX, whatever you're using. You would then import your MetaMask or your Rainbow Wallet or your Phantom Wallet or whatever you're using. And then we'll be able to mix and match all of your off-chain and on-chain data and provide these really clean exports on the back end, whether it's income-related reports or capital gain-related reports. Um, so that's kind of like the, the origin story and, and genesis and kind of what we've been up to lately. Great. Um, I'm going to ask more about because we've gotten a lot of questions around the industry regulation changes in the past, I mean, few months. Um, I know, I'm sure you have some thoughts on like how that affected you, but before I go there, any insights of like how the growth of the company has been changing year to year with the NFTs being more mainstream and crypto going more mainstream? I'm just curious about what were like the roadblocks at the beginning versus now yeah at the beginning it was, it was really setting up a lot of the infrastructure right and, and it was getting all the off-chain sources in place so you know we spent you know countless hours and and years really building up support for uh you know probably at the time in 2018 2019 maybe a few hundred exchanges i think we're up to like 500 or, or more now um and so really building the infrastructure was kind of the, the first key um first key building block right and so we wanted to not only make sure that we could import from these exchanges directly, but also accurately. So tons of testing to make sure that any type of, of um, centralized fees or blockchain fees um, were getting pulled in, making sure that all of our pricing feeds were accurate and had detailed information, if, you know, regardless of if you invested in 2012 or, or 2022. And so that was kind of the, the first big thing was getting a lot of these centralized exchanges and then a lot of the wallets imported. And so, you know, we fast forward a little bit into more of like the ICO market and the ICO craze. And I think this is one of the first things that brought crypto really on chain, right? And so more and more people were starting to download MetaMask or download their favorite wallet of choice so they could interact with ICOs. And, start, and when we started to see things go on chain, we realized that the on-chain ability and the utility on-chain is only going to increase from here. So then we started to put a lot of effort into being able to track on-chain items um, and do that without having like a centralized API. So you could simply import a wallet address and we would be able to see what happened in that address and account for that directly. And so that was kind of the, the early phase into what we have, you know, kind of perfected now, which is more of like the DeFi, NFT, and DAO-related uh, support. And so the, the key pillars is being able to see all the off-chain data, all the on-chain data, and then we're mixing it, it, it together. And as anyone in this room knows, you know, DeFi and NFT related taxes, and then you mix in DAOs, get pretty complicated pretty quickly. And so making sure that you understand what, you know, what's actually going on underneath, how are people actually using these products and building around that is super valuable. And then that's been a really big skill set that we've had as a team 
is actually using the technology and being part of the community that we're building for. Um, and so that's kind of what we've been up to. I understood. That's super helpful. Um, curious about how you guys are changing. I mean, it's a three-part question that all ties into each other because the industry changes super fast. A, how are you guys changing the industry? B, how is the industry changing on a day-to-day -day basis? And then C, what do you think someone who's listening to what the industry changes are can learn from the way you guys are reacting to it? Because one thing that I struggle with personally is, for example, the way you explained it is perfect. There's like so many things that are connected to each other, but there's only one product that can help you. In this case, it's your product. But there's also so many things that are changing that's out of your control, meaning government can change, change something and you have to react to it. So how do you guys think you've changed the industry and how do you think the industry is changing every day? Yeah, great question. And, and as you mentioned, I think it, it, there's multiple different parts to it, right? And we kind of covered how the industry has changed. We've gone from like these centralized um, providers into largely on-chain activity. Um, and, and so as that has changed, we really had to be able to, to look at what's going on in your wallet and figure that part out. So we've seen more of like the infrastructure around crypto change and had to kind of keep up with that, right? And so with taxes, you can't have a 95% complete tax report, right? Like it has to be 100% or it's not accurate. And so for us, having to keep up with the innovation in crypto has been a blessing and a curse. Um, you know, crypto moves so fast and anyone that's working full time or even part time, it's very, very, very hard to keep up with everything that's going on. Right. There's a new token, a new blockchain, a new L1, a new L2, a new bridge um, almost every day, a new DeFi protocol, a new AMM. And, and so that's amazing. Right. It gets more and more people interested in crypto. And we've had this vision that like the next new user is probably going to come in more from Kanye than Compound. And so as NFTs started to happen, we started to see a new wave of users come in. They're more interested in like culture, community, and crypto and the intersection of those. Uh, and so as crypto has progressed, we've had to kind of keep up and skate where the puck's going on that. And so that's kind of part of it, right? It is really like the product and the industry. The other part that you brought up is really like the government side. And that's definitely something that you have to be aware of, especially in a product like ours. The interesting part with our product and with crypto taxes is that the IRS hasn't been able to really keep up with the pace of innovation uh, as much as we have or as much as the people on this call have. And so we still largely have a lot of guidance that is, that is extremely old uh, being used for crypto. And that goes for crypto in general, not just crypto taxes, right? And so if we look at security laws, we're still using the Howey test from the 1940s on crypto assets in 2022. So we have this law that was created before we had internet and TV that's supposed to be governing digital assets. And so the government hasn't really moved as quick as the industry. The first initial guidance that we got from the IRS around crypto assets specifically was that the IRS was going to view them as property. And that's really where a lot of the, the conflict within crypto, especially around crypto taxes has come from, is going from Bitcoin to ETH or ETH into uni or whatever your token of choice has a taxable element to it because it's property and not a, com um, not a commodity or not currency. And so the thing for us that we'd like to see is more updated guidance around DeFi or NFT or DAO-related taxes. Because right now we have to take really conservative guidance around fungible assets and apply them to non-fungible items. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if you look up the IRS code, there's no IRS, you know, 
code two, page three, paragraph, you know, four that says if you, you know, if you burn uh, a fuck render crystal and get this in return, here's how it's treated, right? And so we have to take very conservative guidance and there's a lot of gray area and ambiguity. And so we've started to see the industry become a little bit more um, aware of the regulatory. You've seen, you know, just this week we had Biden's executive order, which is going to have a lot of agencies spend more and more time on learning and understanding crypto. Um, and that could be a net good thing or a net, you know, a net negative thing. And so we'll see how that happens. So to give, you know, to wrap it up, I guess I, I'd say, you know, keeping track of what's going on in crypto is, is hard to do, but you need to do it, especially from a product like ours. And then keeping track with the regulatory side, um, it's a little bit easier because they move a little bit slower, but when they move, it can have, you know, vast impacts to, to what's going on. So things that we always have to be aware of each day. Understood. I think that's what I was like referring to the, I'm not sure I didn't pay much attention to what the executive order like had in it. Like I didn't read it letter like word by word, but I was just curious how those things change the course of even like the brand itself, but also like the business decisions that you made, but you covered that. Um, what else do you think that people should know about Zen Ledger that you like care about in terms it could be a product it could be a statement it could be like a mission statement that you guys stand for that pe more people should hear about yeah i mean i think that the, the biggest one is is you know this the team at the top of the company uses these products and it sounds so high level right like you should use the stuff that you're building for but unfortunately we've seen especially in the crypto tax space you know, companies that, that pop up that aren't actually using these protocols, aren't actually buying NFTs, aren't selling NFTs, haven't ever used DeFi, don't have any on-chain history, um, don't have any DGEN scores, right? Like they don't use these products and they're trying to build for them. So I think a big thing with us is actually using the actual products that we're building for and, and doing things like this where we're actually interacting with the community that we're building around, right? And so I think as long as we continue to build great products and get feedback from the community around the products, I think we'll, we'll be in good position. The other item is probably really on the integrations that we have. And so if you look at zenlender.io, which is our website, and click on product and competitive comparison, you can see that the kind of the, the vast amount of uh, in, you know, imports that we have versus other competitors. And that's really important, especially for users that, that are you know, aping into the next new contract or degening into the next new protocol. And, and so that's been a really big strength for us. If you looked at the crypto tax market in 2018 or 2019, you had us and maybe one or two other providers that were all very similar, right? We all had integrations to Binance Coinbase. We all supported Ledger and Trezor. We all had pretty competitive pricing. We all had pretty decent UI. That was, you know, who do you like better and, and who had better marketing? And as the complexity within crypto of DeFi, NFTs, and now DAO-related taxes have come into play, there's only been a, you know, a few providers that have been able to kind of keep up with that innovation and really continue to build around that. And so we still have some of the, the providers in the space that, that don't understand what a DEX is, that don't understand, you know, liquidity pools and two things going in and one thing coming out or two things going in and four things coming out. And that goes back to building and using the things that we're building for. Um, so the integrations have been a big one for us. And then customer support has been a huge one for us. Uh, I think not only in crypto, but in general, service around, you know, the, the world and every product and industry has kind of gone to shit. You know, it, it's very rare to get really, really, really great service anymore. 
And especially when people are looking at their finances, their taxes, their money, they want to know that they can pick up the phone, give us a call, chat with us, email with us and have someone actually answer them. And so if I look at, you know, the big things that are important to us, it's, you know, it's using the products we're, we're, we're building for being in the community with the people that we're building for. Um, it's the integration that we've built. It's the customer support that we've built. And then the accuracy of the product. You know, as we talked about earlier, you know, if, if you support nine out of 10 things, but not the 10th thing, then your reports are wrong. And if your reports are wrong, it doesn't matter how many things you support, right? And so the key value, you know, the key metric for us, is the accuracy of our report and everything else kind of comes second after that. Um, but, you know, I guess that's how I kind of view, you know, how we look at kind of our value add to the community. For sure. Uh, I'm just curious because there's just so many different ways to do it. And I always, like anything, like what, the reason I buy a Nike shoe versus XYZ, I always try to understand the purpose of the company, the ethos behind the brand. And I think you laid it out pretty great, pretty great way. Um, I'm going to jump and I'm going to hand it off to Nick. And before I do that, for anybody that you've interacted with in terms of building this brand, building this company, do you think there's anything that you guys are like have learned, Dan, that in the past few years that it, that could be helpful for people who are either submitting their taxes through Zen Ledger or like are very curious? Do you? have any suggestions or like, oh, go to this place and this will help them to understand how to take the next, like the very first next step. Um, just because personally, I don't even know. I've never done like NFT taxes or crypto taxes, simplifying any DeFi taxes. So sometimes I get overwhelmed. So what, what would be your suggestion on like the very first next step? So it was also like great chatting with you. <laughs> like, I'm going to hand it off to Nick and I'm going to jump. Hey, cool, man. I appreciate your time and, and appreciate the conversation. Um, yeah, I think that the the biggest learning that we've seen is probably two things, right? A big misconception that we've gotten for a long time is that anything that happened in your wallet is non is non like taxable. It's non traceable, and the government will never find it. And that's probably the furthest thing from the truth. So anyone here that's ever used like EtherScan or BSC Scan or SnowTrace or whatever block explorer you know that you use. It's very easy to see, you know, what came in, what came out, what the fees were, what contracts or token addresses you connected to. Um, and so that's probably the big thing is understanding that all of your on-chain activities have a big impact with your taxes. The next big thing that we probably get is people that get overwhelmed because they think that they need to record every single transaction. And you don't have to do that, right? That's like what the software does for you. And so the big thing to be aware of is making sure that you're keeping track of your sources. And what I mean by that is, let's say, you know, I started in crypto, whatever, in 2019. And so for the last three years, I've used Binance, Coinbase, Gemini, and FTX. I've used uh, MetaMask, Mither Wallet, Ledger, and Trezor. Just random examples, right? You know, you can mix and match of, of your own choice. The, the biggest thing that you need to do is understand what you've used from a source level. And if you have that, then the software is going to automate it, the, the rest for you. So when you import your Coinbase and your Ledger, we can see, okay, you know, 10,000 or whatever, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, whatever, went in from dollars into ETH, from ETH into your ledger, and then from your ledger XYZ. Um, and so that's the biggest thing is, is the first step that you want to do is really understand your source. The second step that you want to do is really use a software. Obviously, I'm extremely biased as, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the operator at Zen Ledger, but I think in general, you should be using software. 
And the best softwares like Zenlitter will allow you to really aggregate that activity and do it all accurately. And then the other item is that, you know, we have a really uh, amazing resource and content library. So if you're just trying to educate yourself on what's going on, we want to be able to provide that education. So we have tons of NFT-related tax guides, DeFi-related tax guides, DAO-related tax guides. Um, as we talked about earlier with the last episode that you guys did around taxes, we partnered with Alex and with Jacob Martin and, and a few other individuals and put out this NFT tax guide that you can actually mint as an NFT, which gives you, you know, art from um, 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 Sartoshi um, and then gives you the NFT guide and then gives you a free subscription to Zenlender. And so we're trying to provide a lot of value to the community so that even if you're not ready to do your taxes, you at least know what you're getting yourself into when you make that buy or that sale or that trade or flip that NFT. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's kind of what we look at. Fantastic. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, hi, Dan. Uh, it's Nick here. Um, Amen. Fantastic uh, conversation thus far. Um, uh, hopefully we can uh, carry that energy through um, the latter half of uh, the conversation. But, um, you know, when I hear a lot of these things, right, you know, a lot of these products, um, services, what have you in emerging spaces, um, you, you, you think of, for example, in web two, you have Facebook, right? You have Amazon, these, these early adopters in, in the space. And I see Zen Ledger as being one of those products, um, for web three. And I, I wonder really from your perspective, uh, what are some of the guiding principles uh, that maybe that you've seen from Web2 that um, you'd like to translate into, um, into your organization and, um, and also some of the guiding principles in decision-making, um, you know, just the ethos of how you are, how you're guiding your decision-making and how the product develops? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we touched on a few of those a little bit uh, as far as the customer service and, and how we want to provide really great service in addition to really accurate reports. I think those are probably the two biggest guiding principles, right, it is having a great team um, that builds great products that, you know, listens to feedback from the community and builds for the community. And part of what we do, especially on the tax side, is the accuracy is, is the number one priority. And, and so you can do as many things as you want. And if it's not accurate, it doesn't matter. And so that's always kind of be a guiding principle for us. The other principle is really to make sure that we have ownership of some of the things that we're building for. And, and so, you know, when you're looking at providing on-chain data, you can use like a third-party resource um, or you can look at, um, you know, running your own full note. And so investing heavily into the infrastructure um, for your products or your services is, is really key to us. And so the nice thing about that is we're not reliant on a public-facing block explorer or another team to give us data. We can see that data through on-chain because we have our own node. And so the infrastructure that you build around that is super important. Um, going back to the accuracy, we want to make sure that we can accurately track everything. Um, and so those are probably the, the, the big ones, right, is accuracy is number one for us. Everything kind of flows through that. Um, the next one is kind of integrations, which play into that accuracy. If you don't support everything, you can't be accurate. Um, the other one is customer service or customer support. And it's just really crucial to make sure that when people are looking at tax, how much do I owe, that not only is it accurate, but also that they can get a, someone on the phone. You know, hey, I've imported everything. Can you take a look? Hey, I want to set up a, a call or a Google Meet or a screen share. Hey, my accountant wants access. How do I get them invited in? 
Um, and so that customer support is, is a huge thing for us. Um, those are probably like the, the three biggest ones on like the consumer side of our business. And then we've been fortunate enough to really use that consumer side into enterprise. And so we've been fortunate enough to work with like Budweiser and Ralph Lauren on their NFT drops and really help guide them through, you know, getting into Web3 and getting into NFTs. Um, and so, we, you know, those are kind of the core principles. And we've been able to really build a, a, a what we believe to be a kind of a core piece of the infrastructure, not only for retail, but enterprises and governments to really understand um, and continue to adopt crypto. What's um what's an underutilized uh part of Zenledger just in general? Hmm. I would probably say probably like tax loss harvesting or donations. And those are things that aren't necessarily tax reports, but can have a big impact on your tax. And so for some of our users who are a little bit more sophisticated, they understand kind of the general concept of tax loss harvesting. And for those that may not be aware, Essentially, one of the, the best things within crypto right now is that because it's treated as property and not as a security, you can sell your assets that are trading down 20, 30, 50, 80 percent and buy them back and, and be able to have the same ownership, but lock in that loss. And so what's typically known as a wash sale rule, which applies to securities, meaning that you can't sell a stock that you own today and buy it back again today. You have to wait a 30 day period doesn't apply to crypto. And so one of the best things is to really lean into that and use that as your advantage rate. And so in such a market like crypto, where it's so volatile, you have these assets that are trading up and down 10%, 20%, 30% in an hour, right? Not, not only a day or a week. And so being very sophisticated and using our Tesla's harvesting report can allow you to really plan throughout the year. And so for, I think for a lot of people, it's like, okay, I'm going to come in on April 14th, I'll do my taxes and I'll be done. But the, the, the more sophisticated investors, the ones that are managing their portfolio day in and day out, want to be able to see what's up, what's down, what should I be selling, what should I be buying, where should I be moving my asset. And so that's a big one. And then the other item is probably like charity. And that's kind of the same type of tax optimization. And so the thing a lot of people aren't aware of that you can actually donate crypto to a charitable organization and, and use that you know, as a write-off in your taxes. And so those ones are really impactful, right? Not only because you are you know, optimizing your taxes, but because you are now donating your capital to a charity that actually needs it. And obviously you can pick you know, the charity of your choice, but those are probably two you know, underutilized tools that we have that can not only make a big impact in your taxes and your financial statements, but also in, in life, right? And we've seen in the last week, you know, tens of millions of dollars going to Ukraine to help them that are crypto-based donations. Um, and so those are kind of two things that we're excited about that aren't necessarily tax reports that are probably underutilized and could be more impactful for a lot of users. Another thing too, that I'm, I'm really curious about, um, is, uh, just DeFi in general. Um, I'm sure with, you know, your experience with Zen Ledger, there's plenty of different use cases or, or, or what have you, um, within, uh, DeFi in particular, um, I'm just curious, what are some of the most uh, interesting um, applications of DeFi that you've seen um, using Zen Ledger? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the beautiful part of our business is that we get to actually interact with crypto and all of crypto every day. And, and so I think for a lot of people to think of, you know, accounting and tax, it's super boring. One plus one equals two, right? But the beautiful part about our business is that we have to support all these things from 
you know, centralized exchanges, decentralized providers like a BlockFi or Celsius or Nexo, down into DEXs, down into AMMs, down into, you know, bonding and, and staking and synthetic versions of assets into NFTs, into DAOs, right? And so the fun part about Arbus is that we get to interact with pretty much every protocol that's ever been there because one of our clients has used it and they need support for it. And so with, with DeFi-related taxes, um, you know, it, it really kind of depends on which protocol you're using and how that protocol is being used. And, and so typically the example that I always use is really on like the lending or liquidity pool or earning interest side. And so you have two kind of main different areas that can happen there. And one is really like a protocol token or a placeholder token. And then the other one's more of like a governance token. And, and so, um, you know, with, with those, you can have, like, if you deposit ETH into Compound and get ETH or Aave and get eight, that's going to be a way different stance than if you were depositing your ETH into Celsius or Nexo or Voyager or BlockFi and, and just earning straight ETH in return. And so the, the, the interesting part within DeFi is that depending on how you're using these protocols and how the protocols actually work, you can have... Um, you can have different tax treatments. And so typically from a conservative perspective, anytime you're swapping one asset or another, going from ETH into CETH or ETH into AETH, you're going to have a taxable event on that versus like a BlockFi where there's no taxable event on the, the, this, you know, the distribution of your, your liquidity or the removal. You're just earning interest, which is income throughout the way. And so within DeFi, it kind of just really depends on you know, which protocol you're using, how are they set up, and what's actually going on underneath the hood. Within DeFi, you also have a few other items, right? Like you can have wrap token. And so sometimes they interact with a specific DAX or a specific protocol, you may need to wrap your tokens and then bridge them across to another, you know, another blockchain. And so those can have different types of tax impacts on that as well. And I know we're thinking of maybe doing like another episode of getting like the, the weeds. And then so I'll, I'll save things just high level for now. But in general, DeFi is obviously a really exciting part within crypto and is an, an area where people are, you know, receiving a lot and a lot of income that needs to be reported. And so the main thing to be kind of worried about is, you know, how are you using DeFi? What protocol are you using? And what are the mechanics under the hood of that protocol? I have a two-part question. Um, and I'm not sure if this was already covered. Please tell me if it was already covered. Um, where did the name Zen Ledger come from? Um, but we'll just start there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think when you separate the, the two names, right, Zen and Ledger, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Um, so the, the Ledger comes from, you know, uh, basically what we have is just a, a very comprehensive Ledger of all of your activity. And we want to make that as Zen as possible. So we want to make like it very calming, very easy, remove your stress. And then I think that's something that we've seen, you know, no matter from 2017 until, you know, today, right? Customers typically get stressed out with taxes. They want to focus all of their, you know, their their day to day on alpha and generating, uh, you know, gains and generating income, and they want to know that they can just have a really easy to use, simple software like Zen Ledger that can really do the hard work for them. And so the Zen and the Ledger kind of just came together of let's provide a really really easy um, and 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 stress reduced way to get done your tax. And then the Ledger is kind of you know what we're providing. It's a general ledger of all your transactions. Um, that, that, you know, that come into play for your accounting and tax. And, uh, one last question right before, um, you know, we'll have, we just, we'll bring up Shammy and whatnot, um, is what's the most interesting use case that you've seen with 
Zen Ledger? Hmm. You mean like from an investment side? Like yeah, investment? just any that whether it's um I don't know, say it's a uh, um. That, I don't know, just very obscure examples. It could be interesting examples like uh, a food bank using it, um, like you mentioned earlier with Budweiser brands. Just what's the most interesting use case that you've heard or seen uh, thus far with uh, with Zen Ledger? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we touched on a little bit of the charity side, which we're really excited about. We're seeing a lot more charities that are understanding they can impact you know, their, their balance sheets and, and the funds that they have to deploy by interacting with crypto. And so one thing that we've tried to do is to work with a lot of charities, work with the Giving Block and other organizations within crypto to make that charitable organization or donation uh, easier to do, not only from the outgoing side, but also from a tax side. And so within Zenland, you can mark your transaction as a donation and we'll provide the actual tax report for you. So donations have been really interesting. As you mentioned, we've seen a lot of the enterprise side of our business is really fascinating to us, right? And I think we all agree, anyone that's on this call is probably pretty bullish on crypto in general. And so I think as the, the you know more and more companies brought, you know come out that are accepting crypto or using crypto, it's gonna allow us to be able to use our, our crypto more and more, right? And so now you can take out a mortgage with your crypto collateral. We've seen people that collateralize NFTs and then go take out loans against those NFTs. And so that's pretty interesting. Um, and so these Web2 companies that are coming into Web3, some are super cringy, right? And some do it very well. And so we're excited about companies that are going to support and adopt and use cryptocurrency, not only from a payments rail, but also from like an NFT or community engagement perspective. And that goes into like sports teams and artists and like music NFTs that we're really excited about. So that Web2 to kind of Web3 transition is super exciting. Um, I'd, I'd say the other thing that's like really exciting for us um, is really looking at some of the use cases within crypto. And I think for some of us, especially on the NFT side, the like the 10K PFP project is, is, is not as exciting as we see, right? It's like, so, okay, I can buy this image and that image is blue and this is orange, you know, this image is orange and this guy has a red hat, has a blue hat. And so this like 10K PFP project, what we've seen working with some of the NFT creators that we've worked with, because we work with NFT, you know, collectors and investors, but also creators, because creators have a taxable impact on what they sell versus what they're buying and collecting. And so on the creator side, we've seen some really, really cool projects of people were being very thoughtful on how they want to embed utility into the project, not just like a token gated discord, but like real life events, merch and, and other items that are pretty exciting. And I think we're just really, really early right now. But I think when we look up a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, the ability to really wrap in utility into an FT is going to be really, really exciting. And those are the things that we're excited about, like building with creators and ensuring that as they drop their next launch or their next NFT, that the accounting tax and entity formation is taken care of for them. Amazing. Uh, we have Shami up here for the PO app. Uh, take it away. Yeah, thank you so much. I don't want to hate to interrupt such a you know very informative and great conversation. So thanks for taking the reins after Sina and Nick doing a great job. And thanks, thank you, Dan, for being here. This is super informative and definitely going to be using this service uh, this tax season. Uh, so to get into everything else for today's PO op, if you have the POAP mobile app, mobile app, please open it now. And if you do not, please go to the Google Play or Apple App Store to download it as we speak. That's POAP, P-O-A-P, stands for Proof of Attendance Protocol, for those who don't know. So we want to give these out to you for attending today's space. So if you have the mobile app now, please open it up. And once you have the app open, please hit the button in the bottom right-hand corner. It's going to be mint with a little plus. 
After you hit that, a menu is going to pop up. You're going to click secret word. And today's secret word is a, is, a, is a very small phrase, and it's get started. All lowercase, get started. So get started on your taxes this year. Don't wait. Do it now. You're going to be stressing, out, stressing about over it. Get it done sooner, and you'll thank yourself later. So get started. All lowercase, G-E-T-S-T-A-R-T-E-D. Get started. And you'll be typing that in the POAP mobile app. No spaces. All lowercase. How are we doing? Great. Um, fantastic work. Um, Dan, I, I want to pass it to you, to you now. Um, really, uh, I just want to create the space for the last uh, few minutes that we have here to just give you the floor for, you know, more broadly, just any parting thoughts things that you didn't get to discuss that you typically would like to discuss, uh, you know, any, any, uh, any closing remarks? Yeah, no, I mean, thanks for, thanks for having me on. It's been fun to come up here and talk with you guys in the community. Um, in addition to the, the, the co-op, we, we really want to try to give back to the community. So we put up uh, a web 37 W E B three seven code, which will give anyone listening to this, uh, a 15% discount on Zenlender. Um, so as we talked about earlier, you know, if, if you've bought in the NFT tax guide and the website is nfttaxguide.com, that already comes with a free Zenlender subscription and, you know, comes with, you know, really nice uh, artwork from Sartoshi and then a full tax guide for you. Um, so definitely check that out if you haven't uh, and, and want to learn more about, you know, crypto taxes, NFT tax, DeFi tax, DAO-related taxes, and then get a Zenlender subscription. Really easy way to do that. And then for everyone else that, you know, maybe it's just like, hey, I just want a promo code. I want to try it out. We put up that Web37, W-E-B-3-7 code for everyone to get 15% off. Um, but no, man, I mean, I think we, we touched on a lot of a lot of really nice things today. We, we kind of walked through the origin of, of the company and um, and kind of what we're building for and what we're doing. Um, so I appreciate you having us on. I guess the only things that, on that we may not have talked about is really like the tax professional side of things. So if you're a tax professional listening in the audience and you have crypto clients, We've built this really comprehensive tax professional suite where you can use that and integrate and embed with your clients and basically have this really nice, easy to use dashboard and simply click into your client's account, help them with reconciliation or just download their, their tax reports. And then in addition to that, we have tax professionals and tax attorneys on staff. So if you're in the audience and you haven't filed your taxes at all, maybe this year or maybe you've gone back a few years and you haven't filed, you need to amend or you just want someone to help you with your reports and or do it for you. We have tax professionals available and tax attorneys available on staff, uh, in addition to the software, in which you can actually sit down with a tax professional or tax attorney. They'll walk you through onboarding, reconciliation, and then they'll also handle all of your crypto and non-crypto taxes. So I think you know, a lot of the, the use that we're seeing, especially now, you know, about five, six weeks left in tax season, they may have put it off for a while. It's like, hey, man, I've been avoiding it. I don't want to do it. I want someone to do it for me. And if you're one of those, you know, we have those tax professionals on staff. So... Um, you know, we are here to help. We're, we're hopefully going to do a few more, uh, a few more you know, collaborations um, and put out some more value uh, to the ecosystem. But, um, you know, definitely appreciate you having us on. And I'm excited for, you know, round two or round three, where we can get into kind of like in-depth tax questions, do some Q&A and, and really get the, the audience and the community involved. Absolutely. And one more time, just uh, the, the code, is that case sensitive? Is it all caps, lowercase, what, what have you? I believe it's uh, not case sensitive. Okay. Um, 
So I think web uh, 3.7 should be all you need. Um, uh, you should be good to go um, just with web 3.7. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, well, with that, that's 15% off of uh, Zen Ledger. If you missed it, web 37 uh, discount code. Uh, Dan, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Um, really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, go sign up for Zen Ledger. We'll, uh, we'll have two other conversations coming up soon. We'll announce them um, as they come closer. Uh, yeah, uh, Dan, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us on. Um, and you know, if you had a question today, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have a a, a, um, a way for you to answer that or ask that question. And hopefully, we'll, we'll answer it. And uh, and if you're looking to get in touch with with myself or or, or Zenlender, um, you know, if this is one of your first Twitter Spaces, you can click on on my profile and or the Zenlender profile up here. Uh, shoot us a follow. You know, we we try to be very active in the community. Provide update. Um, you know, tweet out uh, any type of regulatory things that we're seeing or just product updates or new features and things like that. So if you're looking to connect, uh, you know, feel free to shoot me or the Zen Ledger account a follow and we'd be happy to help you out. And, and thanks. Uh, thanks for having us on. Thanks, Dan. We'll be in touch. Bye, everybody. Hi, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out every single live Twitter space on our Twitter at 1.37 p.m.